0: man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. You have the scriptures in front of you and open to 1 Peter chapter 5. My goal this morning is that you would worry to the glory of God. Take the whole sentence. It's not just that you would worry. You're probably doing enough of that already. I suspect that uh, most of you have the art of worry pretty much down pat. You know how to fret about things, uh, to mull over and over and over the same problem, the same uh, search for answers, the same frustration. So I'm, I'm suspicious that uh, you're, you're pretty good at the art of worrying. What I want to talk about this morning is t- how to worry for the glory of God. Let me first talk about how I got to that, I think it's fairly apparent in our text in front of us. Uh, Peter starts out in verse six, he says, humble yourselves therefore, and then in verse 17, casting all your anxieties on him. Uh, To cast your anxieties, your worries, your cares, that's the word that leapt out of the text to me. Now understand, it is actually a participle. Some of your translations might have it as a command, cast your worries upon him. Uh, The Greek is actually more accurately translated casting your uh, cares upon him. The main verb is humble. So humble yourselves while casting your cares upon him. So the two are tied together, and so I want for us to think about how we do that, how we cast our cares, how we uh, worry for the glory of God. Now, there's a lot of things that cause us to worry. I'm going to suggest just two of them. I think one of them's fear. Uh, Psychological, clinical anxiety is when you worry about things in the future that are never going to happen anyway. It's when you wring your hands and you try to figure out, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? If this happens, it's unlikely that it'll happen, but I have to worry about it, sort of like uh, living in the 50s and putting in the, uh, the bomb shelter in your backyard. Uh, It seems like a good idea until you start to think about all the problems. That's why they they quit. Uh, But you worry about these things because you're afraid. You're afraid of what might happen to you. You're afraid of, of someone or something out there, out of control. So fear is a generator of anxiety. And oddly enough, the other generator of anxiety is love. When you love somebody, you worry about them. I mean, when you love them, And you don't just say, well, whatever happens is fine with me. You say, no, I I want this good thing to happen. It might not happen. How can I help it happen? How can I make it happen? What if it doesn't happen? So because you love somebody, you will worry about them. I mean, this this is uh, uh, part and parcel of being a parent. And as we are learning more and more every day, it's part and parcel of being a grandparent. (laughs) If we live long enough, they're just loving somebody. You bring a little baby home, and what's the first thing you do? What's it going to be? How's he going to turn out? Will people love him and like him in life? Will he be successful? Will he be healthy? You worry about these things. Now, uh, worry is just a part of how we're made up. God designed us with a certain capacity for worry, anxiety with a very small a. He designed us with the capacity to worry so that we would look ahead by the guidance of his Holy Spirit, plan. Uh, I'd like to liken it to a, a cruise ship. You know, when you get on a cruise ship, the first thing you do is you get your shots for the norovirus. And then the very, the very next thing they do is they, they have a lifeboat drill. And everybody has to get their flotation device. They have to put on their life jacket and... Stand with this big, bulky, ugly thing and go up on the boat deck and stand next to your assigned lifeboat and you have to stand there while they count the noses and they take down the names and then make sure everybody's there at the lifeboat station knowing where the lifeboat is. Why do they do that? Are they planning to sink the ship? I mean, is the captain having a bad day? And he says, you know, you better run a lifeboat drill. I'm going to run this thing aground. Or is it the case that there's some possibility out there, slight as it may be, almost infinitesimal, but we're going to get ready for it. We're going to worry about it, but we're only going to do it for about an hour. We're going to run up on the boat deck. We're going to stand next to the lifeboats. We're going to worry about this thing sinking. We're going to uh, think about and plan what we're going to do if this thing sinks out from under us. And after that's all done, we're going to the buffet. That's right we are not going to spend the whole cruise on the boat deck hanging onto the lifeboat making sure that we're there just in case. Well, you might, but I I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. So a certain amount of worry drives us to planning. A certain amount of anxiety drives us to ask God what he would have us do today so that we will be in a position tomorrow to take what comes that he knows is coming down the pike. So a certain amount of worry and anxiety is actually a driver to God and a driver to prayer. But don't spend your life on the boat deck. The problem comes when we can't take off the life jacket and let go of the boat and go to the buffet. The problem comes when we just stand there, you know, paralyzed by this fear, paralyzed by this anxiety. That's the problem we have. So what we need to do is learn how we can worry to the glory of God according to God's design just the way he would have us worry rather than sinking into the devastating, paralyzing anxiety that imprisons us and takes all the joy and the meaning and the purpose out of life. So you're with me on this. This is is where we're going. We're going to think about how we can worry for the glory of God, what we can do that would be pleasing to him in our worry. Now, the problem is, as believers in Christ, we've sort of come to this conclusion that we shouldn't worry at all. I mean, isn't that sin? I mean, how many times have you said this? I took it to the Lord in prayer. I laid it down at his feet. I gave it over to God. Amen. And I took it back. (laughs) I prayed and I gave it to God, I took it back, I carried it around, the next day I got up in the morning, I gave it to God, I took it back. This is driving me nuts. Why can't I give it to God? Why do I keep taking it back? Maybe it's because God wants you to keep coming to Him in prayer about it. I mean, that's just a possibility, you think? I mean, are we supposed to only pray about things once? Dear Lord, let's see, I I prayed for my children when they were born, that covers that, you know. No, every day, every day, every day we pray, you know. And and when you get frustrated with yourself because you keep taking back these anxieties from, from God, understand he's not tired of taking them back from you. By the way, he's going to win in an arm-wrestling match, so you might as well just go ahead and, and you know, go through the exercise and let, let him take care of it. And if you have to come to him every day, every hour and surrender it to him, you just do that because that's anxiety, that's worry, to the glory of God. You know, the problem comes when we pray, take it back, and then say, well, that didn't work. You know, I asked God to take care of it. That didn't work, you know. I lifted up to God this, this problem in my life, this illness, Financial difficulty, lifted up to him the work situation, nothing gets better. Well, prayer didn't work. I guess I'll try something else. That's ungodly anxiety. But when you surrender to him every day, every day, realizing he's still at work, he still knows what he's doing. But somewhere along the line, we as believers, we got the idea that we shouldn't worry, that somehow that says we don't have faith. We're not trusting God enough, that that if we were doing this right, we would just uh, skid through life and never worry about anything. Oh, we've got problems, but I just pray about it, give it to God, never think about it ever again. And we get the idea that that that's what we should do. And the reason we do that is because we misread, I think, a verse like Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, I won't, (laughs) thanks for telling me. (laughs) Yeah, let me give you some of the most useless advice I can give you, don't worry, just don't worry. I didn't know, that's all, okay, I won't worry about it anymore. Look, the only time somebody can tell you don't worry and it means anything is if they have the power to do something about it. See, if I tell you don't worry about your mortgage, That's one thing. (laughs) The bank tells you, don't worry about it. We got it covered. That's another. (laughs) See, if I tell you, don't worry about it, that's one thing. If God says, you know, you really don't need to worry about it the way you are, that's quite another So when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, he's talking about don't don't be paralyzed in the anxiety and the fretting about the things that are happening. Uh, Don't you understand that there's something bigger than this going on here? So don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Every day, every day. It's not let them be made known, never mention them again. God, our Father, loves to hear from his children. You know, just you bring it to Him. You know, Father's still bugging me, but I'm trusting you. Yeah, I've got, I've got concern. I've got even a little bit of anxiety about this, but Father, I'm giving the anxiety to you because we're going to work through this together. And your Spirit is going is to empower and lead and guide and, and tell me what to do and inspire the faith. And Father, it's all about you. So don't be dominated by the anxiety. Don't be anxious in that sense. And then it is that the peace of God that surpasses anything you could ever understand anyway will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as so you're constantly surrendering it to him. So there, there, there's a place for anxiety uh, with a small a and there's a place for worry in the life of the Christian. It's what God uses to drive us to him, to call us to him constantly, constantly, constantly day by day. It's born out of the fact that life is big and that we, there's a lot of people that we love uh, in our world. And so with that sort of as the running start, we come to uh, 1 Peter 5, 6. Now, again, the The background of this is um, the suffering and the persecution that the readers are encountering. Because they are believers in Christ, uh, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their homes, they're losing their friends. uh, They're getting blamed by society for everything that goes wrong. Some are being thrown in jail. You know, all those kinds of things are happening. Peter writes this letter, basically say, look, you're being kept by the power of God. So in that light, I want you to face this suffering in a godly way that would honor and glorify him. Make sure that when you suffer, you suffer because you're a believer in Christ, not because you're obnoxious. You know, make sure it's because they can't stand the gospel being lived out in your life, not because you're just a, 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 a an honorary sort of person. In other words, suffer for doing good, not for doing wrong. That's what he's been saying. So he comes to the end of this. He's been talking about this the the entire letter. We've seen that as we've read through, and he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore. Humble yourselves, therefore." Now, there's a particular meaning of the word humble in this verse. You ever want want a commentary, the best commentary, some people ask, you know, what's the best commentary on the New Testament? Let me give you this. You want to write it down. Jesus Christ. Because the scripture tells us that Jesus was in all the glory of heaven. And all the prerogative of divinity belonged to him. He, the Son of God, the Prince of Heaven, deserved eternal praise and glory. But in that context, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the meaning of humility. When Peter says, humble yourself, he's saying, you come to the cross, take the cross daily, follow Jesus, walk in the footsteps of Christ. who's given us an example of suffering, like He says earlier in the in the letter. And when you come to the cross and humble yourself, you become obedient to God. That's what humility is. That's why He says, "Humble yourselves, what, under the mighty hand of God." Humble yourselves over the under the fact that God is absolute sovereign. He is absolutely God in control of everything that's going on. So whatever your take on things might be, however you're analyzing your life and the lives of others and the situation around you, whatever it might be, however you analyze it, God's analysis is just that much better. And he's got a better handle on it than you do. So humble yourself in obedience to God. You know, sometimes we don't want to do that because we don't see it working out the way we want. God, if, if I... Do that if I follow in the footsteps of Jesus, people will take advantage of me. I won't get promotions. Uh, people won't like me. My family might desert me. Humble yourself underneath the mighty hand of God. Make up your mind that the will of God is absolutely perfect. And make up your mind that He is absolutely sovereign and able to accomplish all things according to His good pleasure. So in the midst of of the worry situation, you know, there's something I'm worried about. First thing I'm going to do, surrender it by surrendering my life to the will of God. Surrendering, you know, whatever God wants. That will come my way. Jesus had something to say about that. That'll surprise you. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, look, you're you're anxious about all kinds of things. You worry about what you're going to wear. You worry about what you're going to eat. And look at the birds, you know. They do better than you do. Father feeds them. The grass, lilies of the field, just not a Sidney Poitier movie. I mean, this this is like a... Okay, that one missed. Um, The the, the lilies of the field, look at them. He says that Solomon at the height of his glory as a king was not arrayed like one of these. He says, look, if God knows how to take care of birds and mow the lawn, don't you think that God knows how to take care of of you says for that reason then uh don't be anxious saying what are we going to eat what are we going to drink what should we wear i don't have anything to wear (laughs) the gentiles seek after all these things their 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 whole lives are are centered and focused on these things they're just chasing these things to the to the point of exhaustion the gentiles seek these things Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows exactly what you need. Now, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah, we got the prosperity gospel right there. All I got to do is believe in Jesus, pray every day, learn my Bible, go to church, be a good Christian, and God is obligated to supply all these things for me. He's got to feed me the way I want. He's got to clothe me the way I want. He's got to give me a house and a job. He's got to make my life smooth and happy because after all, I'm seeking the kingdom, and he's got to add all these things to me. Let me tell you something. There are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world today who are hungry. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering without protection under the brutal sun of the desert. There are brothers and sisters in Christ today who are in dungeons and prisons. And throughout history, that's been the case. What does that verse mean? Seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto you. I think what Jesus is getting at is this. The Father knows you need every bit of this. But the Father knows you need the kingdom more. The Father knows that you've got these physical needs and that you're spending a lot of time and energy trying to address them. But the Father knows you have a spiritual need for the kingdom of God even more. Beloved, seek the kingdom of God and you'll get everything you need. All these things... You'll get them just as much as you need. Now, let's suppose we come to the end of life, and you will someday. We come to the end of life, and we, we stand, you know, before God, and we're just sort of chatting about the way life has gone, and we say, well, Lord, you know, I, I, I applied that verse to my life, seek first his kingdom. I was hungry a lot, and I didn't have a lot to wear, never got ahead in life. My, my retirement account blew up and, and, uh, in the bad way, and uh, I, I just have, I have nothing now. Uh, and God says, well, that's, that may be true from your perspective. I, I understand you're saying that. But look, uh, while you're telling me how hungry you were and how you wish you'd had better clothes and a, and a better house and a better car, while you're telling me all these things, did I give you the kingdom? Did I give you the kingdom of God? Yes, Father, you did. Do you care about these other things? No, Father, I don't. I don't i'm seeking the kingdom of god and now these things are added to me just as much as god wants him to give them to me and as i humble myself before him under his mighty hand i praise god for what he gives me and i praise god that it's exactly perfect so i can seek the kingdom see this is how we worry to the glory of god yeah. we know you know the, the, these things we need god knows we need these things. We bring him to him. We humble ourselves in obedience before him. God, your kingdom above all. And so whatever I'm worrying about, yeah, I've got to fret about it. It's my nature. It's my, my personality. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to worry about it, but Father, your kingdom above all. Jesus became obedient unto death. We, I, I, you know, I tried to think of a, of a moment when Jesus was worried. Couldn't really find one where he was anxious and worried, you know, the way we are, you know, What am I going to do? But we do find him in the garden of Gethsemane with the cross before him. And he said, Father, if we could figure out a way, I'd just love this cup to pass by me. But not my will. Yours be done. You know, if we pray in the garden, the way Jesus prayed with the sweat drops of blood, Father, Father, I don't know how how I'm going to take this. I don't know how I'm going to cope. I don't know how I'm going to get through the next several months. I don't know how I'm going to get through these last months of life that the doctors say I have. You may give me more, Father, but, you know, the the way it's looking right now, we're coming to the close of things. Father, I don't know how I'm going to get through this this, uh, loss of my job because I'm defined by by it and and I've relied upon it. My family relies upon it. Father, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Father, if it, it, it'd be okay with me if you'd just open up a big door and I'd walk into a cushy job with a lot of money. But not my will, Father. Yours be done. Yours be done. So you take that worry, you humble yourself before the sovereign God of the universe. You give it to him every time you, every time you find it in your hand, you give it back to him. Yeah, you, you give it back to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, give, give it back. And that's okay. We humble ourselves before him. Then Peter says it. Humble yourselves before under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. We... we, we well, we won't. But we, we could talk there about the fact that while we think things are really on the skids downward, they're actually being lifted upward and upward. And at the exact right moment when God will receive the greatest amount of glory and praise for it, he will exalt us in Christ. You know, it's not like we're, we're, we're such great shakes that God's going to say, hey, look how great they are. It's that we will be identified with Christ when he comes. So he will exalt us. But then in verse 7 then, he says, so humble yourself, that's obedience. Casting your anxieties on him. That word for casting is the same word that's used in the account of the uh, uh, disciples taking their coats and throwing them on the donkey. They were casting their coats. It's the same Greek word, casting their coats on the donkey. So take your anxieties, cast them on God. You know, let him carry them. Let him him, uh, 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 just have them for his glory. Just throw them on God. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And that's probably where the rub comes in. God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, God is good, all the time, all the time, God is good. We keep saying that, keep saying that, keep saying that. It turns out that God really is good all the time. And it also turns out that all the time, God is really, really good. A lot of our anxiety when it becomes that debilitating, paralyzing a kind of anxiety is because we're not convinced God is good. We think that maybe he's good in the past. See it there, not sure now. We think God is good in the future. Jesus come, world save, hey, uh, you know, hallelujah. Uh, that, that's fine. But we're not sure God is good now for me. Or we're sure god is good for other people but somehow i don't qualify or god is good but he's more good for others than he is for me you know but god is good and it's kind of like yeah that's the answer on the multiple choice question but but I really don't think I can trust the goodness of God. Peter says, casting all your cares, humbling yourself, and in that process, casting your anxieties on God because he cares for you. This sovereign God of the universe really is causing everything to work together for your good when you love him and are called according to his purpose. This God really is withholding no good thing from those who love him. This God really is a caring God. And when we realize that, then worry latches into that. God, I don't see the way out yet, but you care for me. I'm trusting you for that. God, I, 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 I keep mulling this over. It keeps coming back. I can't get it out of my head. But God, every time it happens, I'm going to realize you care for me and you're a good God, and ultimately it will work out for your glory. Okay, God, I'm going to worry about this, but I'm not going to be paralyzed by it. I'm going to uh, think about these things because they're just big in my mind. I'm worried about my child. Don't tell me don't think about it. That's all I can think about. But I'm sure not going to be paralyzed by it, and I'm going to give that anxiety, that paralyzing fear, I'm going to give it to you. God, because you really do care for me. God told, uh, well, God did, but Jesus told his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, the word there for troubled is, uh, uh, <sighs> means to agitate. Don't, don't, don't get all shook up. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know God is great and good and caring and kind and loving. Believe also in the Son of God who came and gave his life for you. And God, who did not spare His own Son, how much more is He going to care for you when you love Him and have faith in Him? You know, uh, that anxiety that you know is so much a part of our emotional makeup uh, is is, um, um, is real. You know, we're not. It, it, sometimes as Christians, we live in denial. One of the worst ways to deal with anxiety is to say, "I don't have any anxiety." You know, sort of like the person who's who's shaking and <laughs> what are you afraid of? Not afraid. What are you anxious about? I don't have any anxiety. Why? You think I did? Let's be real. We, we can be the r- realest people on earth. Why? We know God who is truth. We know God who is reality. And when we face the truth and when we face reality, we face it in the context of God who is reality itself. He is the truth. And so we have no fear of being real. So let's be real. We've got, we've got the anxiety, but we are not in denial. God is worthy of a trust. How, how did he put it here? He said, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. This is all based on the character and the nature of God. Now, this sort of reshapes how we pray about anxieties. Sometimes we think that prayer is the process whereby we get rid of the anxiety and the worry, so we won't think about it anymore. We have this sort of religious idea that if I spin the prayer wheel often enough, ring the bell, light the incense, right, say the mantra often enough, that I will be relieved of, of worry and anxiety. Prayer is not to get us out from under, you know, what we don't like. Prayer is to connect us up with who God is and his plan and his design. So as we pray, we pray out of our anxiety. Wake up the next morning, hits me again. Boy, that, that, that problem's still there. That cancer's still there. That disease is still there. That, uh, that loss is still there. That grief is still there. God, I'm giving it to you again because you delight when your children come to you time and time again and give you their lives. So it it just recasts how we pray in that sense. Let me um, uh, try to bring this to the end of the paragraph, at least. So he says, humble yourselves, and in that process of recognizing the sovereignty of God, throwing your anxieties God's way, casting them upon God, trusting that he is a good God who cares for us. Now, having done that, in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, Be realistic, have your head clear. Don't get uh, clouded up by the materialism of the world leading to false anxieties, but having your eyes fixed upon Jesus at the right hand of the Father, having your heart, your affections on things above, not on things on earth. Be clear-headed, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone To devour, that is, your adversary, the devil, is just looking for an opening that he can use to try to wiggle in between you and the Father. And if he can use anxiety to do that, he will. He'll come in and he'll start whispering in your ear, told you God wouldn't take care of you, told you your faith wasn't strong enough, told you you couldn't count on this, told you you didn't, you know, all those kinds of things devil's looking for somebody he can absolutely destroy. And the reason he wants to do that is because he just hates God. And so he hates the children of God. And when a child of God is, is, is sort of buckling under, under the anxiety and the worry that the, the devil just comes in, I, I, I can devour this one maybe. Resist him, that what he says? Devil's prowling around, verse 9, resist him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One little word shall fell him. You just, you just say to the devil, say, I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. The Father loved me so much, he sent his only begotten son to die for me. That was when I was a sinner. Think about what the Father's going to do for me now, devil. Um, by the way, uh, end of conversation. You can leave now. And resist the devil. He will flee from you. He'll try to tell you all kinds of lies about the anxiety and the worry and the concern. Resist him. He'll flee from you. And understand other people are going through the same thing. Brothers all over the world are suffering the exact same thing. I love how he ends it, though, in verse 11. To him be the dominion forever and ever. To him be the power, the the expression and the exercise of his sovereign power. Um, dominion's a good word if you lived about 300 years ago. Uh, but, you know, to him belongs the authority and the power to accomplish all things. And it belongs to him now and tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. And it belongs to him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus said, do not be anxious about tomorrow. First, you don't get tomorrow until it comes. So, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Uh, When you get to tomorrow, it have its own anxieties and cares and and thanks to surrender to the Father. Jesus said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I learned it in King James. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. What that means is every day has got its own problems and its own worry. Surrender that to God. Deal with that. Sort of like in, in grace, Jesus says, you know, I'm giving you permission to deal with anxieties, not to deny them, but to deal with them by surrendering them to the Father, trusting him in the sovereign will and power of God expressed in his Son, made real to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So my goal this morning was that you would worry for the glory of God. And that means having a real sense of who God is, who we are what life is about, what my life is about, the reality of human emotions and feelings, the connections we have of love with people we worry about, the reality of things we fear because we know we're finite and, and limited, but the absolute infinite power, majesty, and sovereignty of God who is able above all things to accomplish that which is well-pleasing in his sight in our lives. And so when we worry, we just say, that, that's the reminder That's that's a little reminder coming up, ringing the little bell, time to pray, time to give it back to God again. If I have to do that 100 times a day, what's wrong with that? I had to pray 100 times a day? Let's complain about that. But we'll just give it to him for his glory. And when it's all said and done, we will gather together around his throne will say father you're amazing the way you took care of us the way you fit us into an eternal plan for the entire universe we didn't see it at the time thank you for letting us see it now that we can give you everlasting glory for who you are in our lives let's pray together Father, every morning your mercies come to us fresh and new. Every day your grace comes to us abundant. Father, every day your love and compassion comes to us with the same joy and excitement as the first time we we laid eyes upon you. Father, you are so great and kind and gracious. Teach us when we worry to surrender even that to you for your glory In the name of your Son, by the power of your Spirit, amen.